0: Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to my Good Nanny Radio. MGN Radio. The best show on Block Talk Radio for family information and entertainment. Thanks for tuning in. Hi and welcome to MGN Radio. Today is Wednesday, April 20th. And my name is Tasi, I'm your host, and thank you so much for joining us, those who are listening now. Or we'll catch the replay today's information is going to be um really, really amazing, and I'm so happy and so excited to have our guest, okay now, if you know today history was made Harriet Tubman on the front, or is it back? I think my producer is saying for on the front of the twenty dollar bill she's going to be replacing. Andrew Jackson, the president, who I think will be on the back. So, again, it's still an amazing feat for, you know, somebody who owned slaves that was on the, the $20 bill to now somebody who freed slaves, Harriet Tubman, known as the Moses, um, for freeing so many slaves. So, yay for that. Okay. MGM Radio stands for My Good Manny Radio, where we interview celebrities, authors. Moms and dads, people who are doing some amazing things in the community. And so our show is the number one show on Block Talk Radio with over 30,000 listeners worldwide. And we are so, so happy. And we appreciate all our fans all over the world. So thank you. Exciting news, as everybody knows. We wrapped up the 2016 Dare to Aspire conference, and, you know, we always sell out of vendor booths. We, you know, we sell out, and it's such a great conference. Lisa Price was the founder of Carol's Daughter, a 1000000 dollar business. I mean, she was there live and shared so much information about the keys to owning a business. Building a multi million dollar empire, having to sell the business and reinvent yourself. I mean, she dropped so many nuggets. And so we just had an amazing time. And we're already starting because of such popular demand. 2017 is going to be our seventh conference. And whoo! I'm telling you, <laughs> it's like we just thank God because it is a labor of love. And for those who think it's easy to plan a conference or an event, OMG, it is hard work. But the rewards are great when women cry at our conferences, when women tell us their lives have been changed. You know, it, it's it makes you want to just do it over and over again. Because I tell you, sometimes I'm like, this is my last conference, and then. I see all the women and how it just impacts their lives. So Dare to Aspire 2017, check us out on Facebook. It's going to be amazing. You know, we always have an amazing keynote. Speakers, vendor booths will be available soon, um, and we're excited. Okay, so Chandra... Aubrey is our guest today and at the 2016 Dare to Aspire we gave away her book and people were really touched and I said oh my god I have to get her on MGN radio she wrote the book Don't You Dare Touch Me and those who are at the conference know when we gave it out you know it really resonated with a lot of women um Kendra is a wife. She's a mom to three amazing kids. As I mentioned earlier, she wrote the book, Don't You Dare Touch Me. Don't you touch me there, I should say. Don't you touch me there. Um, She was born and raised in Crescent City, Florida. Her children's books, you know, all feature the same kid-sized superheroes, the Feisty Four. Not only is Kendra a of sexual abuse. She's also a conqueror of domestic violence, and we had so many women at the conference. Even our, one of our speakers was a survivor of domestic violence, and so many women, you know, share their stories of domestic violence. So it was um, very touching. She believes, Kendra believes, courage is the new superpower. She earned her B.S. degree and her master's degree in communications from University of Florida, Gator. She earned her Ph.D. in Educate, ministerial education and leadership from Truth Bible University. You know, she's an author. She's done so many great things in her community, and we're so happy to have her on our show. Um, and like I said, she's a children's book author, and I can't wait to bring her on the show. Got to pay one bill, and then we'll be back with our best show guest. All right, hold tight. Thanks, MGM Radio.
1: Hair Yum is the fastest growing vegan hair care product on the market. Hair Yum can transform your hair with one wash. Cleanse with no harsh chemicals, sulfates, or detergents. The Hair Yum collection is available now at HairYum.com. Take the challenge. Go vegan. Get Hair Yum at HairYum.com. That's H A I R Y U M.com. Your hair will thank you for it.
0: Selling with Kate and Bean is as easy as one, two, three. Step one, do what you do best. Create. Step two, pack and ship your items to our office. Step three, relax. We'll take it from there. Visit com for more information. Cheers. All right, we are live with author of Don't You Dare Touch Me There, Contra Albright, and let me connect her to our show. I hope this is her. Hi, 352. Hi. Hi, Topsy. Hey, How welcome. are you?
1: Hey. <laughs> Amazing. (laughs) Amazing. How are you? I am super. Absolutely amazing. Excellent.
0: Excellent. I want to tell you I love your pictures. They're so professionally done. We talked about that at our conference, so I just want to say I love your pictures.
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Actually, some of them my husband took and some I had a professional, other professional photographer capture for me, but thanks so much.
0: Oh, wow! well, welcome to the show. Thanks again for being one of our book sponsors at 2016 Sold Out Conference. We appreciate it. Um, So yeah, let's get into it. Again, we want I want to say before I start the show that some of the content will be, you know, about abuse. And so Just be forewarned. We always like to keep it real, so grab a pen and paper because we are going to chat. So let's take it from the beginning, Um, Pandora. I kind of mentioned your story, but can you kind of talk about just the beginning of writing the book, you know, um, Don't You Dare (laughs) Touch Me There, and your story with, you know, child abuse?
1: Absolutely. Um, My story started, um, well, Don't You Dare Touch Me There was birth. From my memoir, From Food Stamps to Favor. So I was actually in the final chapter of From Food Stamps to Favor um, when I was watching the news, and a reporter came on and said, The state of Florida legislature passed a bill where elementary school teachers, grades K through five, can teach sexual abuse prevention. And I was working on that chapter, and I was on my laptop and watching the news. I was a communications major, so I watched all news. I don't care what, what channel it is. And that day I was actually watching local news. And uh, when I heard it, I immediately opened another document, and I heard the voice speak to me clearly. It was God's voice that said, don't you dare touch me there. And so I wrote this poem I thought would be a poem in about an hour, And so I wrote it a couple days later. My publisher at that time uh, put on Facebook, I'm working with a wonderful children's book author. You know, if you have a book, connect with me. And so it was at that moment I knew that it was going to be greater than a poem that I would read, you know, at church or, you know, at a family reunion or gathering um, or at a community event. And so I worked uh, with my illustrator, And it was an amazing process because the whole purpose, you know, of Don't You Dare Touch Me There really is to be a resource for adults and to teach kids how to become their own advocates. So it's really a conversation starter because if you never have a conversation about inappropriate touching, I like to say it's literally like sending your child out to the wolves because everything starts with a conversation inappropriate touching can start with a conversation. So in order to combat that, um, I worked with um, a wonderful illustrator. And what was so amazing about that Tossie is we didn't have a whole lot of changes, and I always felt at one with him. And uh, when we finished the book, he shared with me, he said, I really hope this work goes far. And I remember telling him, you know, I need four characters, and I need them to be diverse because sexual abuse doesn't discriminate, and he told me, he disclosed to me, and he said, the book will go far because I, too, was sexually abused as a child, and so I found that oneness with him, and he is a Caucasian male, so it does not discriminate, and so when I see Courageous Cody on the cover of the book, it does represent a Caucasian male.
0: Wow. That is Oh, that is amazing. I'm um, Kandra? Absolutely. Yes. Yes. That is yeah, no, 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 I thought we lost you. That is that is amazing. Now tell a lot of people and I read the book I wanted to say and my kids I read it to my two girls. They loved it. They could relate. Yeah. They love the pictures, the illustrations. So I'll get Aww. I'll talk about how you actually published the book, because a lot of moms maybe have books inside of them as well. But let's talk about your abuse. Now, what happened as a child? Like, could could your abuse have been prevented if you had a book like, you know, the book you wrote?
1: I believe it could have, um, simply because it starts with a conversation. But if you live in a home where the conversation, you know, is usually about, you know, I grew up in a home where, you know, what happens in this house stays in this house. I also grew up in a very religious home. Um, My mother was, you know, always, you know, there to make sure we excelled academically. But there was never a conversation about inappropriate touch. And I think a lot of times, you know, just in my journey since 2012, it's a very intimidating um, subject. It's a very uncomfortable and uneasy subject. So if you never have a conversation with a child, and as children, we're taught to respect authority, to respect adults, and see and when someone is doing something to you that you don't like or is uncomfortable, which is what I experienced, you know, I was taught, you know, know, adults were always right, you know, that they are the authority. And, you know, I never knew what boundaries and limits were. And so as I uh, continued this work, you know, I love to say, and I, I always say this when I go out, particularly when I facilitate sexual abuse prevention, prevention trainings. It, it always starts, prevention starts with a conversation. And as uneasy as it may be for you, it is very, um, hello? It's very uncomfortable, and it can be very intimidating for a child to have to question authority. So it's always good to be the first person to start that conversation. I did not have that type of conversation because it wasn't something that we talked about.
0: Yeah, and you know what? And and I'm here. You know, I just am listening so intensively to what you're saying because I know a lot of moms, and it's unfortunately sometimes in the African American community we don't talk about stuff when uncle touches you or grandpa yes. or whatever. So you know. Mm-hmm. So now, who 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 molested you? Was it a, a family friend? Was it an uncle? Like I want to get into the yes. details.
1: Yeah, there were um, close uh, relatives. It was a cl- close relative, um, but there are also people who my mom trusted, who you know you never suspect. And just like the statistics show, ninety percent of children are abused by someone they know. They know their abusers so it's not like it's wow something you 90% don't know. And 90% 90. of children know their abusers and and wow. then you know in direct relation to that statistic 60% of children are abused by someone the family knows and trusts so this could easily be a music teacher it could be someone in a ministry 60% are abused by someone the family knows and trusts That could be a tutor, like I said. That could be a dance instructor. That could be a track coach. It's someone that has gained the trust of the parent as well as the child. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. And that's actually that grooming process. You know, predators are very patient. You know, they don't target confident kids. I always tell my parents, you know, build your kids' self-esteem. That's the one weapon you have. Because when you build their self-esteem, confident kids tell confident kids soar academically and socially. So that right there in itself is a barrier. That's a part, I like to say, of their courage package. You know, it's that high self-esteem. And how do you build that? Through words. You did that great, right on. You know, you have those conversations. You give those high fives. You give those fist bumps. And guess what? You also have to have that open-door policy. People usually think open-door policies are for work, but open-door policies are for home. You know, that's where everything starts uh, when you have that trusting uh, relationship with your child. And it's not just sexual abuse that they'll tell you about. They'll tell you about anything because children listen with their hearts first and then with their ears, Tossie. Wow,
0: you said a lot. And it's so powerful. Let's dissect each one. Okay, so. I like what you said about confidence building because that's something all parents mm-hmm. can do. You know, the high five is a great job. So is it statistically that confident kids usually tell? Is that a statistic or is that something that you've just learned through your teaching?
1: That's actually something I've learned through my teaching. The more I, okay. and it's something because I had an actual daughter. One of my daughters was sexually abused. She was inappropriately wow. touched, and she came how, by to who? Okay, let's, me.
0: Okay, let's let's okay let's let's stop because I know a lot of parents. You know, people do surface stuff. Like, I want to know, like, mm-hmm. who did it? Like, where was she? Because just to help another parent, you know, maybe mm-hmm. okay. Wow, I'm doing this too. I'm letting boyfriend yes. watch my kid. You know, who knows? But oh. could you say how yeah. it happened, or if you don't feel Absolutely. comfortable, you can talk about exactly how yours happened. Uh huh.
1: Yes. See, mine actually started out with just like, you know, I'll touch you here. And then it continued to progress and it escalated. Oh, okay. And yeah. so, what statistical data shows us is that uh, children who live in homes with living boyfriends, the parent has a living boyfriend, they're two times, two to five times more likely to be sexually abused so wow, when you're looking wow. when you're looking wow. at that, it goes wow. right back to the the that first statistic. Ninety percent of children know they're abusers, so whether it's your living boyfriend or it's someone you allow your child to to go off and spend the night with, you know you have to have these conversations because when you don't have these conversations, you haven't built the trust you know with your children. Um, and what I really applaud, you know, my daughter for, she's now in college, is the fact that she came to me. So that meant a lot to me that I created a safe haven within my home and a relationship with her to where she was able to come to me and tell what was going on.
0: Wow, wow. Now, let me ask you
1: something.
0: If, if, I guess, what are some things, we can tell our kids that will mm-hmm. enable them to know, you know, besides sharing your book, because your book is very good. Mm-hmm. Don't you dare touch me there. I like it. I like the rhymes. It was My kids got it very quickly. Um, but what's Thank something you. parents can do, you mm-hmm. know, to avoid some of this? Mm-hmm.
1: First of all, it's really letting the child know that it's your job as a parent to protect them. And let them know if anything is happening, it is okay for you to be afraid, but come to me. You know, I am the one who's going to take care of you. I'm the one who's going to defend you. I'm the one who's going to go up to bat for you. It is my job to protect you. And so when children hear this early on, they don't have to take on the burden. What will mom do? A lot of times some parents will say, well, if something ever, ever touched you inappropriately, I'll kill them. So if something's happening, a child doesn't want to lose their mom because kids can reason. They realize, you know, they understand police cars and what police officers do and what their jobs, you know, entail. So what you have to do is have a conversation that's non-threatening with a child to where they understand that, you know, if something goes down, mom is going to take care of this. Mom is going to take care of me. Because, again, kids listen with their hearts and then with their ears. And if you've, you've built that solid foundation, and this starts early on, this starts in infancy. You know, when children come here, they're looking for nurture, you know, the nurturing parent. They're wanting to be nurtured. They're looking for love. They're doing all that, and we're giving it to them. And I always say the sooner you have that conversation, the better, because I say two years old, start teaching them those body parts. Don't use cold words for those body parts. Use their actual names. And teach them, you know, their don't you dare touch me, their zone. Their mouth is a don't you dare touch me, their zone. So nothing should be going in their mouth but food or gum or treat. Um, And then you tell them up front that not only should no one touch them there, they should not be touching other people in those areas as well. And you explain to them when someone may have to, like a dentist would need to look at their teeth, you know, or mom may need to administer medication, you know, of course, always a responsible adult, but you call that chest area what it is. You call their private parts what they are. And you let them know up front. So it's not like they're walking blindly, you know, four years old, five years old, six years old, and then on, you know, because the average age that sexual abuse occurs is nine years old. And even though that's the average age, you hear about it happening a lot younger to kids. Because what you have to also know is that a predator will abuse up to 400 children before one will stand up and tell. They operate in silence. They dominate in silence. That's why it's so important to gain the trust of your child as the parent first and have that conversation, and it starts with the conversation.
0: Well, wow, you are dropping so much knowledge. We are chatting with the author of Don't You Dare Touch Me Here, There um, Kendra Aubrey. And, um, I just, you have so much information. There's so much to get. So, okay. I think you've dropped a lot of great information. Now, what can, again, like you said, people know their abusers. Can you kind of give an example of, um, for your situation, was it like your mom was gone and boyfriend, you know, came in the room and, you know, you know, try to touch you or was it a a tutor? Like, was your situation that kind of, um, is that how yours happened?
1: Yes, that is how mine happened. Mine was, you know, the fact that it was a close relative, you know, very trusting, um and I think in general, you know, we as family, you know, we want to feel that everyone, you know, is trustworthy, you know that I that everyone is, you know, safe. We're blood, we're kin, you know, this person has to be safe. But um that was the case for me. And in my case, also there were different people in different situations and um what ultimately happened with me, I suffered from post Traumatic stress disorder, and when a child suffers from post-traumatic stress disorder, um, sometimes you kind of block things in your mind, particularly as you get older. And so, when you suffer from that, um, one of my physical manifestations, you know, was bedwetting. I was also a mute. I didn't talk a lot. You know, I only felt safe around kids, and so. Um, I didn't trust people, and, you know, that kind of followed me all the way through adulthood because, you know, the people who my mom entrusted me to, you know, she didn't know. So I was thinking, you know, these are adults. They would have to be safe, right, you know, on a kid's mind until that trust was violated. And so, you -hmm. know, when you have that trust factor, it's always so important, you know, that you, you teach your child. That they have limits and they have boundaries and they have a voice and those are the things I never had. I never had a conversation. I never knew what limits and boundaries were. And so that's that's really where it starts. Whether I don't care who it is, whether it's a relative or a friend or a cousin or you know a a school trip, the conversation needs to be had and it needs and it you don't have it one time. You have it you know periodically. And you have it to a place to where you build that trust, period. That foundation of trust is there, is there, and so the child will come to you regardless of whether it's sexual abuse or their academics or bullying um, or peer pressure or, you know, what have you because you've, you've laid that foundation.
0: You've laid that foundation. Well, wow. April is Child Abuse Prevention Month, and we're chatting um, about child abuse. If you're just joining now, one of the things that, um, and I appreciate you sh- sharing such a, you know, hor- horrific story with our audience. Um, let's say the child has been touched, and they come to the parent. Can you share some tips of how a, a mom or dad should, you know, because a lot of times people are always saying, if mm. they touch my kid, I'm gonna kill them, and you know, yes. all right, yes. the damage has been done,
1: unfortunately. So, what are some things yes. you,
0: you can say to that child to to mm-hmm. kind of heal them and, and move them forward?
1: Absolutely. Well, the the, the fifth step. In um, in the five steps of prevention is reacting responsibly, and so when a child discloses, the first thing you want to do, of course, is praise their courage. You know the fact that they came to you because imagine the weight of a child having to quote tell on a you know another child because or it's another adult because a lot of people don't realize that forty percent of child abuse instances is it done by an older or more powerful child. So the first thing when a child discloses is you want to praise the child, you know, let them know that was very courageous of you for, for telling. Um, you don't want to pry because that's the job of the professionals. That's what your children advocacy centers are for. That's what um, your DCF is for and your police and law enforcement investigators the child's forensics team, that's professional. What your job is to do really is to listen. You're not to ask leading um, questions, lead-in questions, because what the child will do is they're testing how you're responding. So the way that you respond is even though, you know, you're probably looking for your phone and anything else uh, to dial right away, is you want to be able to listen Just in case authorities ask you to recall any information, but you definitely want to um, praise that child. And, of course, in reacting responsibly, um, you want to call the National Child Abuse Hotline or the um, State Abuse Hotline for your particular area.
0: Okay. Okay. And the Child Help National Child Abuse Hotline is 1-800-4-A-CHILD. That's one eight hundred four two two four four five three. 422 4453 Okay, yes. so we've talked about, you know, the good touch, bad touch, which your book highlights, which and it and does it in simple terms. You know, I, I, I really like that. Mm-hmm. Now, are girls Thank more you. likely than boys to be sexually abused? Are girls more well, likely what if, than boys? Yes.
1: Well, one in six boys and one in four girls will be sexually abused by their 18th birthday. So, of course, girls are going to be more likely, but it does not discriminate. Sexual abuse does not discriminate based on race, gender, socioeconomic level, or religion. There are some religions where you actually find this happening, you know, and it's almost like, you know, a rite of passage. And so one in six boys and one in four girls will be sexually abused
0: about an 18th birthday. Wow. Oh, that's horrible. What is the um, – do we have a profile of a sexual abuser? Is there, you know, like, okay, usually it's older men that are – is there a profile? or oh, it just cuts – women, men, black, white. Is there usually a profile? Cause yeah. I see Lord for no. SVU. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I'm no. like, oh, he looks like he a pedophile. You know, sorry, I did say that. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, guilty. Um, mm-hmm. So there's no, like, look.
1: No, there isn't no a look. I know, you know, years ago we used to always, you know, think it's the white van wiring around and it looks suspicious and things like that, but no, you know, like I said, you know, 60% of children are abused by someone the family knows and trusts. So it cannot be, you know, Caucasian male, 60 plus, 5 foot, 8, you know. But they are people who have access to children. And so we have to be hypervigilant. Um, and if there's something in your gut that's telling you something's not right here, something's a little off here, then that's what you should listen to. And I always tell parents when When children's behavior begin to change, when grades plummet, um, bedwetting, those physical manifestations show up, tummy hurting all the time, apprehension when it comes to, you know, going off with certain people, those are signs. That means it's your turn to investigate and ask questions. Is everything okay? I notice you haven't been feeling well. Is there something going on that I need to be, you know, aware of? And so that's your job right there as a parent to, to dig there and find out what's going on. Um, so, you, you you know, you definitely can't put a, you know, pinpoint, you know, the, the white male or the African-American male. These can also be children. Like I said earlier, 40% of children who are sexually abused are abused by an older, more powerful child. And usually that child that's doing that has also been abused, so they're experimenting and they're also, um, you know, acting out what's, happen to them as well
0: now say that last statistic about a child what did you say
1: yes about a child 40 percent yes 40 percent of children are Mm -hmm. sexually abused by an older more powerful child
0: and all of these
1: statistics are on darkness to light darkness to light is d2l.org i'm also a trained sexual abuse uh, facilitator, and they offer training called Stewards of Children. So you can actually visit that site to um, look at the uh, information, but also to take the Stewards of Children training either online or at a location closest to you.
0: People take the training. Okay, so you can take it online. Is there a fee or is it mm-hmm. free? Because we want to share that training on our MGN. Because, again, My Good Nanny, the, the business I started 10 years ago, I placed nannies all over the world, and, you know, I would love for all wow. my nannies to take that training. Yeah, um, absolutely. So is that something that you pay or is it free? hmm
1: Actually, the, the training in person, um, it depends on the facilitator. My fee is $25 okay. and it includes your interactive book, it includes your certificate okay. and it also includes breakfast. If you take it online, I believe it is 10 or $15 for online. It's always a little less okay. online.
0: Yes, yes. Wow. Time is, slow. oh my God, this is such a topic that can be discussed and it should be discussed. Again, April is yes. Child Abuse Prevention Month and we're so happy. Let's segue to, uh, because we talked about the abuse, we talked about the signs, we talked about what to do. Now, domestic violence. Um, you are also a conqueror of domestic violence. Now, how do you think mm-hmm. that was a result of you being abused or that's separate? Is there a correlation? Nah.
1: Yeah, I I actually believe that is a result of the abuse. Uh, I often say dysfunctionality breeds dysfunctionality. And so um, when you're not healed of any childhood traumas, you know, you take those traumas on with you into adulthood. And so ultimately I ended up going and moving from uh, sexual abuse as a child into physical abuse, you know, my first marriage. And it was quite – uh traumatic, it was just as equally traumatic as the sexual abuse, and that's when I had to realize wow. you know just like they the you know the statistics say a woman has to leave seven times I, the fifth time was my last time, and I knew I had to get out and so um I okay, so definitely how believe for abuse? me. Yeah, was the abuse, like, was it black
0: eyes? Was he beating you? Um, and how did you, because so many women at our conference, when we said raise your hand, because one of our speakers was a, a, a survivor, Tomiko um, Larry Pugh, mm-hmm. and, you know, and, you know, so many people raised their hands So what mm-hmm. what was done to you? And then how did you get back on your feet? Because that's tough, especially
1: oh when my you god my
0: stay-at-home moms that depend on their husband for money. I mean, let's be real. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really tough oh, to leave. Yeah. So can you share?
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. For me, um, it was some physical um not where that it was things like twist it was things like twisting my arm, um, threats, uh, you know, you can't take a shower, you know, you've been gone, why are you taking a shower? So it was a lot of mental abuse, emotional abuse, abuse coupled with physical occasional physical abuse. How did I um Escape that situation, there is a um, program uh, called Lee Connolly House, which helped me to relocate to a different city. They gave me money to help me relocate to a different city um, to get an apartment. Um, I eventually found a job, and I told myself that my daughters and I had to make it work, and that was not going to be a way of life for me and so um it was tough you know i went to I went back to school. Uh, I earned a master's degree, and it was just a a very rough, rocky road. And I I love to say it's not for the faint-hearted, and and it's not a road you want to walk alone. You definitely want to have a support group. You want to have some advocates. And there are organizations that are out there who will help you, you know, get that relocation money that you need to make sure you're safe, um, to make sure you put that restraining order in place. That was something else that I did through the state attorney's office, and they were the ones who actually um, gave me the relocation uh, funding and, and the support that I needed with counseling and things of that nature. So it was a very difficult road, but it's a road that's worth traveling when it comes to your life and if you have children involved to make sure you and your children are safe.
0: Were there any warning signs when you were dating him? I mean, see the father of your children, number one. And were there any warning yeah. signs when you were dating Um, him
1: there were warning signs and um, you know people always say love is blind Um, it's not nearly as blind as two black eyes and so (laughs) with me there were were signs you know I know a lot of women chuckle whenever I say that but it was and um, I ignored those signs Um, I love the fact that he was financially secure Um, and so it was up to me to discover my own independence without him. And I realize a lot of women are in situations to where their husband is the breadwinner, you know, and the same thing happens with kids who are in homes and the father may be sexually abusing the child and the father is the main breadwinner. You know, my advice to them is take that, take that rough road because no one wants to take the rough road,
0: but it's always
1: the road that's least traveled, but it's also the road, that's worth traveling, because you get you get to know that beyond those rocks, you know, there's some pavement somewhere, and you, and you get to, to move on in life. So, yeah, there were warning signs. I did ignore those signs. Um, that's why I consider myself a conqueror today, because I can speak about it, and it doesn't hurt anymore. I can uh, tell women that because I did it, that you can do it too, and I use my voice to help others find theirs. So, I like to talk about that's the difference between. Although I celebrate survivors, I celebrate survivors. I also commend conquerors.
0: Yes, yes, yes. Because domestic violence is just so. Oh wow, it's a lot. It's a lot. And if you're a woman or mom that's listening, I mean, we love you. You know, it's tough. Mm-hmm. Especially, it's tough mm-hmm. to leave. And I'm glad you mentioned that resource. Could you mention it again? Because a lot of people say money. I don't have any money to start all over. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned the Lee yeah. Lee Connolly House or so could you spell yeah. it and
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lee Connolly House is three words. Lee Connolly House. Now what they do, they are actually a shelter for for women, but they were the resource that pointed me in every direction that I needed to go to the state attorney's office. Our state attorney's office at that time, which was in Putnam County, Florida, um, was the organi- was the um, the office that gave me the money that I needed to relocate? Uh, Lee Conley House connected me with advocates, victim advocates here in Gainesville, Florida. So it's all about you know finding out what those resources are in your community and taking advantage of them. Lee Conley House is not a national organization, um, but usually oh, okay. in most okay. in most major cities. And you can actually look at their website, but in most major cities, there is a shelter for women who are, or men, who are victims of domestic violence. And so while you're at, you know, those shelters, they have a plethora of, of resources, you know, of, to, to build that support system so that you do not have to walk alone.
0: Wow, powerful, powerful. What was it that made – did your kids see you get abused? Like, thing that said, you know what, I'm out of here. Was there a moment – like, Oprah calls it the aha moment, but was there a moment Uh when you were like, you know, my kids can't see this anymore? What made you leave? Yeah,
1: I believe it was – the. it was almost like a mental breakdown. It was like a breakdown that I had, and I I knew if I did not leave that I probably – was going to lose my mind. And so it was um, a breakdown uh, prior to some physical abuse. And I just said, this would not be the life for my children. It's not going to be the life for me. And I'm not going to raise my two daughters in this type of environment. And so I see the benefits of my decision. You know, God, I love to say he gave me beauty for ashes because I've been married to my current husband 11 years. And my daughters are now both in college. And so I often wow. look back at my life and, and realize, thank you, and realize it's just it's grace and it comes down to making a decision. And so when I, I look back at that time in my, my life, I, I thought I would not make it, and I probably would not have made it on my own, but there were these organizations in place to help me. And for everything else, there was grace.
0: Amazing, amazing now we well, not to jump back to child abuse, but were both your daughters mm-hmm. sexually abused or just one? no, only one oh, okay, good now, oh. a lot of people always say um, you know he just shouts at me if that's not abuse, or he um he's not talking to me anymore, you know, I had a married woman who's you know, filing for divorce, and she was like, "Well, you know, he wouldn't talk to me for a lot a long time." Could you share for people, like, what is considered abuse? Like examples. We all know the beaten up part. Mm-hmm. I mean, that beaten mm-hmm. up. But besides that, right. what's what's considered abuse?
1: When you think about abuse, and this is this is how I would define abuse: anything that impacts you physically, mentally. And emotionally and it's not for a short period of time it can be long term or it can be occasional particularly if your safety and well-being is at risk and so if, like you said if someone's shouting at, at you is that the result of alcohol or drugs could it escalate to where you are in imminent danger um, when you think about all of those things that are into play so if he's hitting me you know for no reason There's no way you can tell me any day of the week you can tell me that two adults should be hitting one another. That is not love. That is not a love language. And so in my best opinion, you know, abuse is when someone is being violated or threatened, you know, in any way, verbally, physically, mentally, emotionally. And it's it's impacting their well-being.
0: Great. I I think that was a perfect, perfect summary um, of abuse, you know, and so many women are facing this and, you know, we want to give shout out to all the great men out there that don't put their hands on women, too, because, yes. you know, I always say it's always usually the punks, excuse my phrase, mm-hmm. that hit women. You know, real men really don't hit women, um, if you think about mm-hmm. it. It's always like the punks that just hit women and da-da-da. So we got to shout out to all the men that, that really Absolutely. uplift. Um, you mentioned, mm-hmm. oh, my God, what time is this? We have like a few minutes, but I want to get these questions in. Um, you mentioned men being abused by women. A, a lot of mm-hmm. people, um, you know, chuckle at that, you know. Is that something real that that you've dealt with where men are, I mean, where women are beating up men um what are your take to to maybe a guy or that might be listening to the mm-hmm. show, who knows? And yeah, getting beat up absolutely. by a woman. Does that happen?
1: I I believe it does happen. You know, I believe that just like sexual abuse can happen to boys, um, it could yeah. be a, a guy on a guy, um, it can definitely happen and the roles can reverse. And that can be the same way for men. It could be verbal, it could be physical, you know taking all the money out of the bank account, boy, is that, that's not enough to make you have a nervous breakdown, you know, or something like that. <laughs> so, yes, I believe, I believe it can go both ways, you know. And although, you know, I um, believe a lot of people, I shouldn't say I, I believe a lot of people, you know, the reason they chuckle is because they'll say, you know, well, he's a man. He should be able to take it. But my personal belief, and I always told my daughters this, no one has the right to put their hands on you. No one. Has the right to as a grown woman to or a man to put their hands on you, you have that right, it is your right, it is your right to say no, and when you say "Stop, that is your command for it to cease and so I don't um believe that you know we should just see of domestic violence or sexual abuse in the light that, you know, it can only happen this way because we live in a world that's ever changing. And men are now starting to come forth, um, even as adults, and talk about domestic violence and even sexual abuse.
0: Yes, yes. Do you think, I mean, like you said, the world, I'm so disappointed in so many things that are happening with the world Um, just, you know, just so much is happening and it's just so sad, like just the things that are happening and, you know, you know, I just, there's healing that they, there can be really genuine healing for victims of child abuse. Like people can move on from that or, you know, is there always that scar, you know, with that person? Mm -hmm.
1: I think each person heals differently. Like, I can't, you know, tell you that my journey to healing would be identical to someone else and what worked for me will work for the next person. So um, I do believe that there's healing, but healing is a choice. We have to choose to heal. We have to choose to forgive. And um, I think once you get to a place um, in your journey in life and you realize um, I can either hold on to this And I can cause physical manifestations such as tumors and and other things that can happen in my body, or I can truly use this as another block in my foundation, and use this to um and allow it to propel me into my purpose. And so, you know, I don't condemn people when they don't come forth. I stay the course. Um, Those who can't. Or, or don't know how to heal You know, I am very I'm always sending thoughts their way I'm always praying, you know, for kids and As well as adults Because it definitely Impacts the way that you Have relationships The way you see people in general And so I believe That there is hope but um, Hope and healing But my hope may be a little bit stronger Than yours, my healing may come A little bit sooner than yours But the the key is, will you start that process? And that's the the question that everyone has to ask themselves at some point. Will I start this process of healing and forgiving? Because it's only through that process that you become whole, that you can move from victim to survivor and maybe even to conqueror and become that change agent, you know, that, that you need to be in your community
0: do you think and, and we're coming to the close of the show, we're live with Kendra Aubrey and we're chatting about child abuse. April is child abuse prevention month. Do you think that when you tell, when you say the statistics nine year olds the average, do you think that this child abuse is a sickness like people are sick? Um, that's why they abuse people like do you think it's a sickness? Um like I wish I could eradicate like all types of abuse, but the child abuse, you know, it's just so mm-hmm. sickening.
1: Absolutely, I, I see it as a couple of things. You know, I always say, you know, we are products, you know, of our environment, and so whatever you are exposed to the most, that's what you're more likely to to act on. The porn industry is a multi-billion-dollar industry, and child porn, uh, multi-billion-dollar industry. If they don't get caught, and it will continue to grow. You know, unless we really put some, some laws into place and, you know, we're really more strict when, you know, when these pedophiles or predators or violators, you know, do things. And so I do have to believe it starts with the mind. It starts with the mind of that individual to believe that there's something right about violating the innocence of a child. There's something terribly wrong to violate, to violate the innocence of a child. I, it has to start with the mind, and what it is that they're being exposed to what are what are they exposing their minds to, um, whether it be video or magazines uh, music, media in general um, that will cause one to violate the innocence of a child
0: Wow, well said, and we can find more about and connect with you at tandra k a n d r a a l b u r y dot org um because your mission is to Use Your Gifts to Help Others Find Their Voice as Well as Their Purpose. Wow, this has been an amazing show, Kendra. But I, before I let you go, <laughs> um, I saw in your, your background that you worked as a television news producer um, with yes. WJXT Channel 4. And I, I'll tell you, mm-hmm. me selfishly, a lot of people at the conference, everybody wants to get on TV. Is there anything you can share for small business owners or women that mm-hmm. – you know, could help them. You know, to have newsworthy content. Absolutely.
1: Um, it pretty much would start um, with the brand. You know, making sure the brand is a reflection of who you are. And um, secondly, it's to send out those media advisories as well as some press releases. So, seeing as my background is in communications as well as you know, broadcast journalism, corporate communications it starts there, um, making sure your image is clean and, you know, your photos are sharp, but also make sure, you know, your website is user-friendly and it has pertinent information there. Always if you're going to pitch something to the news media, you know, make sure you have the producer's email address. Um, Make sure also that your media advisory, very simple, it has a bold heading, it has the date, it has your current contact information. If you want the media to contact you directly, Um, And then, of course, it has the who, the what, the when. And, of course, um, I always tell uh, my clients to make sure that when you have your phone number on there, that it is not, numbers are not transposed. It's so easy to, to, to do something simple like that. But make sure your media advisory is sent out the week of, your press release can go out two weeks before, and then, of course, sending it back out. There's no, you can't even, um, Believe in your mind, because of the way a news organization works, it is best that you send the media advisory again the week of your event, at least two days before your event. And trust me, they're not upset because you're sending it, because if it's a slow news day, they're excited to have you. And so if you're actually trying to send them and invite them out to an event, of course, two weeks before, and then, of course, um, the media advisory the two days before, and I just am a crazy lady. I send mine again on the day of. If I'm coming into (laughs) the event, it's good to connect with a good reporter that you have a rapport with. Let them know what you have going on. Build that relationship uh, with those reporters, and they will always keep you in mind when something's happening, and you'll be able to pick up the phone and call them.
0: Now, and that leads me to another question. How can people find the the contact information for the reporters to even pick up the phone and call Mm -hmm. them.
1: Absolutely. Usually on most um, television news websites, they'll have a contact us link there, or they will have something that says um, meet our reporters or meet our team or our talent, and you would click there. And um, so for the reporters, I don't know if you're having a kid-related event. Some of them will have them broken down by what it is that they cover, And their email address will be right there. I always say you can email the reporter, but definitely make sure that you send it to the producer of the show and then copy the reporter. That way, two people in the newsroom receive it. You want the the producers to, to get that information, so that way they can include it in their rundown for the week.
0: Excellent. Wow, wow. We have to bring you back for another show on just news media because that was huge. A lot of people um, were asking about that. So that's some amazing tips, amazing tips. So what's in the future? I know I love your, your children's book, you know, I, and I love the message with child abuse, domestic violence. Can you share anything that's in the future for you that you have coming out? Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Yes. I've, um, I'm in the infancy stages of launching an organization called Kids in Cape. And Kids and Capes, the whole mission of Kids and Capes is to encourage and empower and elevate and educate kids. And it's all about um, protecting them from sexual abuse, bullying, and illegal drug use. Those are actually books um, that are part of the Feisty for children's book series. Don't you dare touch me. There's the signature book in the series. So we also have N O and I mean no, let's say no to drugs. And then this summer we will be releasing Leave Us Alone, You Mean no Bully. So it's all about helping kids um, discover and activate their superpower. That's one branch, and the other branch will be for adults to continue the um, Darkness to Light sexual abuse prevention training. Um, My goal is to start some fundraisers because I would love to be able to have the books placed in Boys and Girls Clubs around the country. Um, And they will also not just have books, but they'll also receive capes in the curriculum for the books, which will be released this fall. Wow.
0: I love it. I love it. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Congratulations. Congratulations. And thank you so much for being a guest on our radio show. I think you shared a lot of information that's going to help a lot of women. So thank you. Tell people how they can contact you again, please.
1: Absolutely. You can visit me online on my website at Albury, org. I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. I'll soon be doing some live stuff soon. I'm tickled about that. Um, But mostly (laughs) on those social media channels, you can find me there. And if all else fails, you can reach me via phone as well. And that information is on my contact us link on my website.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you so much. We love your book. Don't you dare touch me there. I think it's going to help a lot of kids, and um, our winners at our conference really, really enjoyed it. So thank you for sponsoring the 2016 giveaway of the books. Thank you, Kendra. Absolutely.
1: No, thank you. Thank you so much for the work that you do to empower women, moms, and entrepreneurs, and, and just for being who you are, Tossie. We appreciate you.
0: Oh, Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you.
1: All right, Absolutely.
0: well, we've come to another, thank you, Kendra. We've come to another close of our and radio show. Again, the link will be sent out shortly as this is recorded live. And thank you so much for listening, and have a blessed day, or night, I should say. Bye.